There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. All right, guys. So as a special treat and a big thank you for being an avid listener to this podcast, I'm offering you 10% off of a VIP level membership to Wims Collective. That's right, guys. I rarely offer promos on our membership, but I am offering it to our podcast listeners because you are so special to me. You show up on a weekly basis and share these podcast episodes, and I am so grateful for you. So this membership, guys, it's offering you casting resources, networking, jobs, recruitment, mentorship, the list goes on and on. But if you don't believe me or you want to hear from somebody else, check out all the testimonials that are on our website. All you have to do is go to IamWim.com and use promo code PODCAST2021. That's going to get you 10% off of a VIP level WIM collective membership. I am so grateful for you guys. Join today. It's going to be the best professional decision you've ever made. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so, so much for tuning in as always. Um, If you are new here, you are in for such a treat. We have such a good guest today. So I'm excited if this is your first episode. (laughs) And if you've been with us for the past three years, three plus years that we've been doing this podcast, I genuinely cannot thank you enough. Um, I'm so grateful to the amount of people who tune into this podcast. It's this unique experience because with so much of our other platforms, like I get to engage with you guys, but with the podcast, like I just see how many people tune in each week and like the amount of people is incredible. I, I'm surprised if it's not like my best friend and my partner <laughs> listen, and it's more than that. Um, and then you guys come back week after week. But the point is that like, I, I don't know. I don't know who tunes in. Like every so often someone's like, oh, I love that episode. And I was like, wait, you listen? You listen to us? That is so cool. Um, so I don't know. I want to hear more from you guys. Like let me know if you uh, if you listen by leaving a review. Um, that's always so appreciated because it just helps the show get more visible leave an honest review, by the way. I want to really genuinely hear from you. I hate when people blow smoke up my butt. (laughs) So um, leave a review and like be honest. Do you like the interviews? Do you like the solo episodes? Do you think my voice isn't as annoying as I think it is? (laughs) Let me know. Um, And also like, I don't know, follow us on Instagram too. I think it's so cool that you guys are engaged in all these weekly conversations. So I want to hear from you more, okay? You promise? Okay, good. (laughs) 
All right, guys. So it's mid-December if you're listening to this live. And oh my gosh, it's the crazy season, you know? So I just want to make sure that you guys are taking the time that you need. It's incredibly overwhelming. And first and foremost, you're absolutely not alone. It's everybody's crazy season. And I feel like everybody is trying to overcompensate for, you know, the weirdness of 2020. So there's like a, a, you know, a weird amount of expectations and what is this holiday season going to produce and everybody's business is just growing infinitely. Um, I've been doing so much recruiting of influencer marketers and people are getting hired left and right. It's a really exciting time, but it's it, it can be overwhelming. So just from like me to you, take the time that you need, set all the boundaries that you want. And, um, you know, you can tell somebody like, I'll get to this as soon as possible. <laughs> um, you don't have to do everything immediately and you certainly don't have to say yes to everything. So if you need that permission, you've got it from me. You can you can tell people that I, I gave you that permission. <laughs> All right, guys, we have such a good episode for you this week. I know I always say that, <laughs> but I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. We have Lara Von Lindsley Wilson. She is Currently the senior influencer strategist at Hunter PR, such a good PR firm. They do so much influencer work. So um, if you haven't worked with them before, let Laura be your entryway point to working with them. Before that, she worked at a ton of influencer marketing companies doing integrated and influencer marketing across pre and post sale business. She's a graduate of Oregon State University, class of 2016. Oh my God, that makes me feel so old. She's keeping us young, (laughs) y'all. And that's where she received a Bachelor of Arts in Digital Communication Arts. I received a BFA, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater, okay? I was like a musical theater major, then I was a theater major, then I was a director. Like, I, I don't know, I maybe I have such imposter syndrome sometimes, but I'm like, oh, I wish I followed in Laura's footsteps. I wish that I was able to get a marketing degree at the very least, but she went above and beyond. I got a digital communication arts degree. So we talk about that a bit in this episode, sort of, you know, our ideas on academia and, you know, do you need to study this to do it? And does it really give you a leg up? We also talk about her predictions for 2022 and, what she's experienced in terms of brand partnerships this year. So stick around, enjoy this episode, and as always, please share. If you're new and you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I would love to see you back here week after week. We have episodes on influencer marketing, women in business every single Tuesday. All right, guys, enjoy this episode. Laura, thank you so much for being on today. I am so excited to have you. So first and foremost, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Definitely. I expected nothing less than having like a beautiful plant behind you and and gorgeous lighting and just like perfection. I just feel like you're like someone who, I don't know, I, I feel like that's you. When I think of you, I'm like, of course you would have this. So for any of our listeners who happen to be watching on our YouTube channel, you get this beautiful background behind you. Laura. <laughs> you know, comes with the job when you work an influencer, I feel like throw a plant at anything. It looks better. The lighting makes a difference. So <laughs> it does. And you fully understand that. I appreciate that so, so much. So I know a bit about you. I know some of our listeners may know you as well. I would love in just your own words, if you could sort of walk us through your professional journey and like yeah. how you ended up to where you are today. Absolutely. So 
I sort of stumbled into influencer marketing, which I'm sure a lot of others might be able to relate to. You know, when I moved to New York City almost six years ago now, I took an unpaid internship initially in the influencer space. Um, and I thought when I moved here that I was going to, you know, work in fashion or be a magazine editor, kind of that classic fairy tale dream. But I ended up being able to move here for an internship in influencer marketing. Um, and that was at a company called Style Hall, which was one of the YouTube multi-channel networks. They're not around anymore, which is a story for another day. But it was a really great experience to really jump head first into the pre side of the business. I got to be really creative, you know, responding to RFPs, coming up with fun concepts for influencers. Um, and that internship turned into my first job experience, which was really fortunate as well as someone who, you know, moved to a very expensive city for an unpaid internship initially, um, which I know we've all had to struggle with for the most part. But after that, I really decided to get more into the execution of things. You know, I really felt like I was getting to have so much fun being creative, coming up with fun ideas, but then handing it off to our execution team to actually do what I thought then was going to be, you know, even more fun to actually bring it to life. And that took me to the next agency I was at, which was obviously, which is an influencer tech platform. And there I really got to run campaigns from start to finish. You know, it was really great getting to be that main point of contact for clients, getting to have conversations with them every day, really hear real-time feedback from them, but also be the liaison for the influencers and get to know all of them on a more personal level and, you know, do the reporting and, and really feel like I was bringing the campaigns to life. Um, after that, of course, I miss being creative on the pre-sale side. So my next role was the perfect blend of the two over at Her Campus Media. And there I really got to work with their sales team uh, pre-sale to come up with fun strategies, you know, talk to clients, find solutions that fit their needs. And then I also managed a team who executed the campaign. So I would still get to see the follow through and get to see how they were performing which of course always helps to inform the pre-sale strategy as well. So it was that full circle, uh, if you will. Um, but now I'm over at Hunter PR running influencer campaigns in the retail category, which is really exciting. Uh, still getting to use some of that strategy creative mindset during pre-sale. And, you know, we have ongoing conversations with some of the clients that we are agency of record for, um, but then also getting to run campaigns. So I don't know. I, I thought initially that I was going to either love pre-sale or love post-sale, but I've really found that I enjoy both aspects. And I think you know, if you are on a team where at least the two sides of the puzzle can talk or, you know, at least if they're blended in some way, they're going to be so much more successful. So, yeah, that's like my career journey in, I don't know, 60 seconds or less. <laughs> I mean, you did a really good job summarizing it and I appreciate it. It's cool to see that, like, I don't know, I mean, I noticed that you have like a digital communication arts degree, which is pretty interesting. I like I was a theater major. Right. <laughs> so, like, I see this weird through line, but most people don't. Most people yeah. are in college. They don't necessarily know what they want to do. They're yeah. like throwing a bunch of things at the wall to see what'll stick. But like, I love that it seems like you knew even in college that this was something that you, you wanted to explore at least. And now you're still doing it. So you also, and you also, like you mentioned, used to work with college communities back when you were at yep. her campus media. I love the idea of like really focusing in on like the next generation of influencer mm -hmm. marketers. So I don't know, tell us a little bit about for those folks who are listening or the people who are listening who have, you know, younger sisters or, or cousins or what have you, who are like about that age, that like very impressionable age. Tell us about your experience studying digital media and how you knew that this was even what you wanted to study in yeah. the first place. 
Absolutely. So funny story. I also did not know what I wanted to do immediately. You know, I actually started out at Oregon State as an environmental science major, you know, of all things. You know, that's something that I found really interesting when I was in high school. And so going into college, I was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense for me. Um, But even when I was in that major, I started a personal blog. I started to work with some brands through that, through blog posts and on my Instagram account. And at first it felt like this this hobby, right? This like side project of getting to write and be creative. But over time, I really found that I was enjoying the creative side of things a lot more than the scientific side of things. You know, let's save the fact that I'm not very good at calculus for another day, maybe. But I think all the roads were really leading me towards, hey, like this can actually be a career path that you pursue. Now, I still didn't know what exactly that was going to look like, but I knew that I wanted to switch into the media program. And actually, when I started in the digital communication arts program there, it was called New Media Communications. And they switched the name about halfway through because I think they realized it was no longer new media. You know, it was here and now media like this is real life, um, which was sort of funny to look back on. But there aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're young, it's really hard to know what you want to do. I know so many influencer marketers who have degrees in theater, as you were saying, or something completely unrelated to the industry now. Um, And honestly, what I tell college students all the time is, you know, it's not necessarily about what your degree is in. It's not necessarily about having formal internship or job experience in this field. If you're someone who is passionate about social media, you understand the platforms, that's going to go a long way. You know, it's, it's not just about what's written on your degree, if that makes sense. So I'm very passionate about Gen Z and the next generation as well. So that's a piece of advice that I like to instill in them because you feel like you have to have it figured out, but really you don't. I, I still don't have it figured out, you know, six years in. So <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that because it's I'm sure that from somebody who is like in school right now and they're like, oh, what do I want to do? I mean, most of us felt like that in school. Yeah. So I'm sure it's beneficial to hear that from you. I certainly felt like that to a certain degree. I mean, I studied theater since I was in the sixth grade. So like, you can just make the argument that like, I don't know, I just knew how to stick with something like, that's Mm -hmm. it, you know, and I, I have so many gripes to be honest, transparently with like the way that colleges, especially prepare their graduates. Um, I know that I felt so ill prepared when I graduated school, Mm -hmm. even if I did stick with theater, for example, or anything in the arts, I didn't feel like I was prepared fully to actually Mm -hmm. make a living doing it. It was all about like the technique and the this and the Mm -hmm. that. And like, especially moving to New York City, you moved to New York as well. It's an expensive city. It's very hard to make it here. Mm -hmm. Like what other sort of like practical advice would you give to young women, especially who want to move to a big city? Yeah. No, I relate to that so much, Jesse. And I would say, you know, if you're identifying early, if you're feeling like you're unprepared, if you're feeling like you want to get into something and you, you know, don't have the skill set yet, like this sounds so basic, but honestly, just do it. Like, 
When I was in college, um, as you're saying, I learned a lot of really great practical skill sets. I learned how to use Final Cut Pro. I learned how to do animation, which you know I don't use now, but it was still great to learn. But I felt like I was really missing that connection to journalism and lifestyle media that my university really didn't focus on. And that actually led me to reach out to the Her Campus team to start the Her Campus chapter at Oregon State. And so that gave me a creative outlet that I could utilize during my time in school. It also gave me a great connection to the Her Campus media team, which led to my position at HQ a few years later. But it was really a case of me identifying this need and identifying this area of something that I wanted to grow in. And then finding a perfect outlet, right, to, to really bring that to life. So if you're feeling like you're missing something, if you're feeling like you have a desire to do something, honestly, just do it. Like start that YouTube channel or in the TikTok dances, like just start throwing things at the wall and something's going to stick. And as I was saying earlier, even if you don't have a you know, traditional internship or job experience, the fact that you understand these platforms, the fact that you started a club at your school, all of those go such a long way into your you know career after the fact. And I think really does help you feel like you're actually prepared and doing something. Again, no one is ever actually prepared, but the more that you can set yourself up for success in that way, I definitely recommend. <laughs> no, I appreciate that so much. And like, that's also something that like, not just graduates, but postgraduates, way post-graduation struggle yeah. with. I mean, yeah. I've personally experienced like bloggers, for example, or influencers who have always wanted to start a YouTube channel or a blog or whatever right. it is. And they're just the perfectionist. That's part of why they've been successful. They've created yeah. this incredible work, but it also does hold them back. Yeah, um, it can. So I just appreciate you you saying that and also probably just like surround yourself with other people who are going to yeah. encourage you to do that. Right. Exactly. Your network is everything. So your network mm -hmm. is everything. So also like, you know, you are one of many who are part of WIMS Diversity Council, which is yes. awesome. We've put on, you know, events and like content and it's great to have you a part of it. I would love to hear like, what have been your thoughts on DEI in the past like couple years in particular? And I also want to know, like, in your opinion, what do you think are the next steps that us as an industry can do next heading into this spot this next year? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a woman of color myself, I definitely felt really heavy at certain points over the past couple of years, which I know a lot of others can relate to as well, especially if you're in the campaign industry and you've, you know, seen firsthand how important having a DE&I strategy is, not just in the influencers you hire, but in the internal teams you hire and what practices you have in place for everyone. Um, and so I definitely have seen a lot of brands and agencies really take accountability for that and really make actionable change you know, they are, they have been really transparent over the past two years with what they're doing, what they're continuing to do, you know, what their team diversity looks like. And when I say diversity, I mean, every sense of the word, right? I think it's really important that brands and agencies look not only at ethnicity, but also at ability, you know, gender orientation. There's so many ways that each and every one of us is diverse. And I've definitely noticed particularly with the disabled community, there's been a lot of them feeling left out of the conversation too. So I think that brands really do need to take that a step further in just making sure they're covering every sense of the word. But I, I also feel like I've seen a lot of brands who have done the opposite, right? Maybe they put up a black square in June 2020 and that was it, or they're really trying to brush things under the rug. So I think moving forward, transparency is going to be really, really key. And as much as we can push for that on our internal teams, I think that's going to show externally as well. And 
you know, as someone who hires influencers, but also works on brand strategy, it's so important for you to realize the power that you can have in that case, you know, and I've personally had CEOs of companies who have talked to brands and said, hey, you know, we give you a very diverse list of influencers and we noticed that the list that you selected isn't diverse. Like, how can we change this? You know, did you realize that this was happening or, you know, like sometimes they don't know, but sometimes it's like, all right, you really should take a better look at this. So I guess all of that to say, I do think transparency is going to continue to be key over the next couple of years, but also making sure that both internally and externally that the companies that you work for are really pushing for that change. And prioritizing it, right? Yes. I mean, simply uh-huh. prioritizing it, but also what you're describing, which is like holding people accountable. And I am yes. like, look, that's like a very delicate thing because mm-hmm. words can be so powerful just mm-hmm. broadly. And it's a sensitive topic for so many, but accountability is hugely important because yeah. if you don't call something out that you're seeing right in front of you, like, what are we doing? You know, like you yes. have But the the goal for holding somebody accountable would be right to like enact change to make change. That is maybe where some people struggle, where Mm -hmm. it's like, how do I say this? Like, if it's if it's a broad team, you're like, who's the right who's the best person or right Mm -hmm. person to say this to? Mm -hmm. Um, So what are your thoughts on that? Like what successful tactics could you share with people on how to how to hold people accountable? Yeah, I would say, you know, it can definitely be a hard thing for all of us to do. But on one hand, I think sometimes not saying anything is even worse, right? So yes, it can be a hard conversation to have. Yes, you might say the wrong thing or you might say it to the wrong person. But I think even if you try and start having these conversations, even if you start small, I think it does have a ripple effect. And what I would say as well is, you know, Even if you aren't sure who to go to, I'm sure that you have someone at your organization that you feel comfortable speaking with, even if it might not be the right person to bring that conversation up with. But, you know, strength does come in numbers. And there are so many times where I've even talked to friends at other agencies and I've gut checked things and I've said, hey, how does this sound to you? You know, like, what would you do in this situation? And sometimes you just need that extra validation or that extra, you know, person who isn't inside your head (laughs) to really make you feel like you are doing the right thing. I don't know. I guess my main advice would be to just say something, you know, start the conversation. It doesn't have to be perfect right away. You will get there. But that to me is more important and more powerful than not saying anything because you're afraid of saying the wrong thing or, you know, anything like that. I think I think that what I'm taking away from this conversation is like, stop over like we need to (laughs) and just do it I appreciate that I'm someone Mm -hmm. who's in my head all the time you know and I feel like other people could maybe relate to that maybe not I hope that people are not in their heads I hope we're the only ones (laughs) but I doubt that and I feel like that's power that's a powerful message you might surprise yourself yeah and don't be afraid to ask questions either like if you aren't sure the right way to go about something or you know you're worried you're going to say it wrong maybe phrase it as a question and like each and every one of us needs to learn. Right. So I personally also don't know everything. Sometimes I say the wrong things, but I also always want to learn. Right. I always want to say, Hey, like, how can I make sure that I am saying this correctly? Or how can I make sure that your needs are being addressed? You know, don't be afraid to ask questions and get out of your head. (laughs) So I would summarize it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that about you. I have to talk to you. Like (laughs) after we finish recording, I'm going to ask you if you'd be even willing to be like a mentor in WIM. Um, (laughs) I just feel like you have a lot to give to our community. And I don't know, just like having worked with you a little bit more closely in our diversity council and stuff. 
I don't know. I just think you're really awesome. <laughs> and I hope you, you know that. I um, that. <laughs> a thousand percent. And it's, I love when, you know, I meet awesome people in other industries. It's really exciting to meet such awesome people mm-hmm. who work in our industry and you get it and you've been doing it for so long. I think it's amazing. I, I also want to pick your brain a little bit in terms of trends, social yeah. media trends. So if you are plugged into the creator community mm-hmm. not versus the brands community, they're talking about trends all the time because they're trying to ride those trends right. to continue to get engagement and following, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I don't necessarily know that brands or like brand strategists are like necessarily as aware and there could be some missed opportunities there. So I'm curious from you, like what are some of the biggest social media trends that you're seeing right now and you think that brands should know about? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things that come to mind. I would say the biggest one that has, you know, given the brands the best results recently has really been trusting their creators, right? And this campaign that comes to mind for me is by EOS, 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 the lip balm company. Um, Well, they have much more than lip balm, but EOS comes to mind for me because they had a campaign recently. I don't know if you saw it where they came out with a product that was called Bless Your Effing Cooch. (laughs) Um, And it was a shaving cream. And they named the product that because there was a viral organic TikTok video that literally took off overnight. And this girl shared her routine for how she shaves and blesses her effing cooch. And it was just one of those moments where the brand was like, you know, traditionally we wouldn't be able to get this approved, you know, brand safety concerns. But instead of, you know, dealing with all of that and and shying away from it, they really leaned into it and produced a real product with that name. And they sent it to the influencer, you know, it was a huge UDC moment and it performed really well for them because they actually leaned into what the creators were already talking about organically and the reaction that their target market had to this product, right? So I think the biggest takeaway there is to really trust the creators. And even if something might be scary, you know, or traditionally non-brand safe, if you're a fun brand that is able to, you know, avoid that legal calamity, uh, really lean into that because it, it can really create some amazing, memorable campaigns. And the, um, the second thing that I wanted to talk about was just the continuation of like VR and AR in influencer marketing. Steve Madden had a really cool campaign recently where instead of having the influencers pose in the shoes, they created custom avatars for them. I don't know if you saw that. And the avatars had their own clips and they were modeled right off of the talent. So the talent actually had this day. Um, I was looking at like the behind the scenes of it and they had all these crazy cameras and they really like modeled the movement, everything based on the actual talent. But then they posted this avatar video where the avatar did all these fun dances and had the shoes and all of that. So I definitely have seen a lot of trends where brands are really getting creative with what kind of content the influencers can post and really integrating them into that, if that makes sense. So I'm hoping to see more creativity like that too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exciting. (laughs) It's really exciting (laughs) to see that. So I want to hear also from all of your extensive experience, like on the brand side, I've never been on the brand side before. So from my perspective, my assumption is that it could be a bit of like an executional nightmare or like issue to follow a trend that's like just happening. Like how do you implement that so quickly? So tell me, like, is it as difficult as I imagine it to be? And like, are there ways to sort of combat that? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially on TikTok, trends happen so quickly. And if you don't activate at the right time, the moment's over, right? So I would say, you know, the key there is to really make sure that you're getting in early. And that's really hard to do. But the best way to do that is to make sure that your team is really on top of things. Um, And this is why, you know, if you're someone who's just starting out, it's so important to get super familiar with the platforms and to be someone who can look at something and be like, yeah, this is going to be the next big trend, right? But in terms of actually making it come to life, I would say, you know, look for trends where maybe product isn't necessary for them influencers to have, right? Like maybe it's more of a messaging moment or maybe you can tap into influencers who you've worked with before. So, you know, they already have your product on hand. Shipping and delivery, especially right now, can take so long, as we all know. So, you know, if you are able to, to get that fulfillment portion out of the picture, it does save a lot of time. Um, But I also think you should work with creators who you trust. So this goes back to tapping into your network of ambassadors or just people you've worked with before. Um, Because if you can cut down on content approvals, that's really going to help too. Like you really have to do everything you can to say, all right, shoot this video. Let's get it live. Let's tap into this trend right now so that you don't miss the wave, if that makes sense. But I have seen some brands do this really well. And some brands who have been able to also engineer things a little bit so that Maybe they are creating a custom product, which takes time to make or something like that. But because they put their own spin on it, they can make it work a few weeks later. You know, so it depends on what your goals are, I guess. That's so interesting. I would love to see more people do that and like even just set themselves up ahead of time. So they just even have the ability to do that. It is something that like you sort of have to structure your business and your processes, I assume, um, ahead of time to even just open yourself up to to be able to do that in the future. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. And so like, I don't know, in terms of predictions Mm -hmm. for the next year, you know, we're recording this at the very end of 2021. It's an exciting time of year. And I'm sure you've seen all sorts of stuff this year, the year before, of course, during the pandemic. It's an exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious. I want to hear, I want to pick your brain. I want to hear from you. What are some of your predictions going into 22? Yeah. So the two words that have been coming to mind for me this month are transparency, which we talked a little bit about, and ownability. You know, I think with the big, I guess now I should say meta, you know, outage earlier this year, a lot of creators were really looking hard at, you know, what happens if this platform goes down tomorrow. So I do think in terms of ownability, we are going to see a shift where influencers are going to have more diversified platforms, but also um, maybe we'll see blogs come back, you know, things that they can actually own. I know that podcasts and newsletters and, you know, all of those outlets that influencers can actually own their audiences over have been uh, increasing over the past couple of months. Um, But I also think that we're going to see brands and creators diving into different formats. I know that live shopping is a hot topic right now. You know, both Instagram and TikTok have been perfecting their live shopping tools and, you know, all of that too. And then in terms of transparency, I think we've seen so many conversations about the influencer pay gap, right? Which goes back to that DE&I conversation. Um, So I think there is going to be a need for increased transparency in terms of rates, in terms of the metrics that influencers are delivering as well, because as you increase pay, you know, brands have to do more work to prove out the ROI there. And so those are the things that have been circling around in my head. (laughs) 
I appreciate that. I love it. They're all predictions and we're just setting the tone. So I don't know. I'm curious if we check in with each other in a year, yeah. year's time, be like, oh my God, you were spot on. You were spot on. That's so good. You know, I would love to dig into it for a second into the conversation about ROI. Yeah. Because it's just, we got to find some better solutions in my opinion. <laughs> it's also the time of year that influencers are seeing content all over the place Mm -hmm. that's saying raise your rates girl and like you know know your worth and as a women's focused organization a thousand percent you should know your worth Uh you should unapologetically ask for what you're worth absolutely Um, so you will never hear me going against those messages Conversely, from the brand's perspective, mm-hmm. we just have to continue to prove that ROI yeah. um, so that we can justify paying influencers what they're worth. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Again, I've never been on the brand side. I'm all like on the talent side. I would love to hear from you. Like, how are you guys measuring it? What does that look like? And are there any sort of like innovative things that you've seen in order to continue to prove that out? Yeah. So, oh gosh, I could talk about this forever. I feel like there are so many different ways that brands are measuring success right now, especially as we see influencer marketing mature as an industry. You know, traditionally it's like influencers are great for top of funnel and we're driving awareness. But as the industry ages, there is that increased need for, you know, metrics further down the funnel, proving conversions and all of that. So depending on the brand and what their goals are, that's number one. I think first you need to figure out what the goals are. You need to align from the beginning. You know, is this an awareness push? Do you want new followers on your social platforms? Do you want people talking about your brand more? Like, what are those goals? Establish those. And then, you know, once you're in the campaign, it is really important to align on how metrics are being calculated. You know, I've seen brands recently where some brands, you know, calculate engagement rate, for example, the traditional way, engagements over followers. I've seen others do it where it's engagements over the actual reach so that you're actually calculating the engagement of those who actually saw the content. You know, it's no surprise with the algorithm these days, especially not everyone's going to see your content. So some brands have really been focusing more on how engaged the people who actually see it are, which I think is cool. And then in terms of some of those metrics further down the funnel, you know, UTM links are still are still king in terms of tracking those clicks, you know, which is a whole other thing now that the swipe up went away and we're with link stickers on Instagram, there's been a decline in the use of those. So that's been fun to deal with. But, you know, going back to the topic on hand, I think it really is just about figuring out what those goals are up front and then aligning on how you want to calculate things in the end. But I don't know, I'm curious, you know, to see in the new year, if there are new metrics that can be pulled. I know that there are a lot of influencer marketing platforms who are just getting TikTok API access, for example. You know, there are some brands who are trying to figure out how they can track conversions that are happening in store, but maybe they saw the influencer post, you know, a month ago. And, you know, obviously our phones are tracking everywhere we go. So maybe there will be more, you know, information soon about how we can really track that consumer journey from seeing a post on Instagram to somebody then going in store a month later to then them becoming a loyal customer. So I don't know. This is another 2022 prediction. I don't know if it'll happen by the end of next year, but I do think that personal data is is such a hot topic right now. And all of these social platforms are adjusting their APIs and figuring out what they can share and figure out what they can track. So that will definitely impact influencer marketing down the road. I think that'll be so interesting. And there are so many people that are just like a, like 
consumers broadly that are like afraid of all that yes. and stuff and like that's pro- probably very much why it's like a hot topic I, know. I don't know I've always said I'm like if you can save me time and tell me like exactly what I should be purchasing and like put it in front of me on my phone like yeah. please by all means like so I hope that more people embrace it yeah. <laughs> I do I don't think it's a bad thing I don't think it's a scary thing but I mean of course like we're sort of in the industry yeah, <laughs> so, And I think that's another part of it. Like, I think there is a lack of education in terms of what the metrics can be used for, how much data they actually have on you. Like, of course, privacy is so important, but I think that it can, the conversation can get carried away, right? When you assume what's happening, you assume what the data is being used, you assume what's out there. So I don't know, as someone in the industry, I'm like, yes, I need all of your data, give it to me. But (laughs) I also think that there isn't as much transparent, this goes back to transparency, you know, between what's actually being collected, what can be traced back to you. And yeah, I know it's trade off. Like, how does it benefit your life? It benefits me greatly when I know that you're targeting me with this. And yes, I need to buy it. <laughs> exactly. But also, you know, I I hope this certainly isn't a prediction, but I hope mm-hmm. that in line with exactly what you're describing, I hope that influencers also become more educated on ways to utilize these data points and to collect these data points and to just con- continue to treat their businesses as such. Um, because like, I can only imagine that if they're pitching a brand or in conversations and negotiations with a brand or an agency, that if they have that at their fingertips, like it's so much more enticing to work with them. I can imagine, right? Yeah, I actually love that as well, because that helps everyone, right? Like it helps the influencer pitch brands and know you know, exactly that this campaign is going to work because I reach this audience and all of that. But it also helps set the brands and agencies up for success if they can see a lot more of that data, right? And, you know, a lot of brands are hesitant about influencer marketing or it doesn't work for them because they're not working with the right influencers. And sometimes, you know, it can be a bit of a crapshoot, if I can say that on this podcast, because you just don't know if an influencer is going to work for your brand and you have to test and learn. So the more data that we can get up front is just going to help it's going to help everyone and it's going to help the dollars work a lot harder. Thousand percent. And one of my last questions for today. Oh, and by the way, you could say shit, fuck anything on this. <laughs> on this, this is the whim podcast. You can hear. I love that. It's totally fine. Yeah. Have fun girl. Um, <laughs> my, my, one of my last questions for you, I want to know what struggles do you think are the toughest for brands these days when it comes to working with influencers? And then of course, like the follow-up question is like, maybe we could brainstorm or you could just give us all the answers. Like how do we overcome those things? Yeah, absolutely. So a few things come to mind for me in terms of challenges. I would say one of the biggest ones that brands experience when they are um, just getting into influencer marketing and maybe they're managing in-house or, you know, they're newer to it is they don't really fully understand that influencers are also humans, right? And so there's so many challenges that come with that. You know, I've learned over my career that you should, in most cases, especially for micro-influencers where the talent aren't as, you know, expensive and maybe they aren't as established or whatever you have you, there's always going to be drop-off, right? So you always should hire extra influencers when you can because someone could get sick, especially these days, you know, someone could not be able to fulfill the campaign or they could just, you know, fall off the face of the earth. So always over hire when you can, you know, try and get ahead of things like that. But also just making sure that you're setting yourself up for success in terms of 
how much budget you have available for the campaign, which I know budget is always a huge conversation because I do think that brands who maybe don't prioritize influencer marketing as much or they don't have a big enough budget allocated towards that bucket can then you know run a campaign, not see very great results. And then they're like, why isn't this working? We're going to try something else, right? Like you really need to make sure that you have that budget set up front so that you can do ambassador programs and work with influencers multiple times. You know, someone isn't just going to buy something because somebody random posted about it once. Like, I feel like you really do need to think through the whole process and, and give it time to A-B test and, you know, all of that fun stuff. So I guess if I had to summarize it, I would say, number one, influencers are humans. They're going to make mistakes, you know, send extra product out, hire extra people, make sure you get ahead of that. But on the other side, you know, brands can see a lot more challenges sometimes when they aren't investing enough into influencer marketing. And I know it can be so scary to put big dollar amounts towards it. But you know, if you are able to test and learn over a longer period of time, if you are able to have some extra funds in your back pocket and actually, you know, spend money on influencers that are going to be worth it, as opposed to influencers who will take any rate and not do as great of a job, you know, yes, I went there. Um, that is just going to make your whole campaign run so much more smoothly. Yes, it will. And thank you for going there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes a thousand percent. I appreciate all of that. I'm excited by your predictions. I'm excited by like what you're seeing. And um, I'm excited for this new role that you have because I know that they're so lucky to have you. I have a feeling that so many people listening to this show are going to want to get in touch and connect with you. I highly recommend that they do because Laura is truly, truly amazing and a woman to know in the industry. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, so you can add me on LinkedIn. My name is very long. I know Jesse will have it out here, but Lara von Linsway Wilson. So feel free to type that in. Or you can just hit me up on socials. My handle on every platform, I think, is at Lara VLW. It's my first name and last initials there. And you can also send me an email. You know, my email is Lara VLW, go figure, at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out. I would love to connect with you all. I'm always down to talk about industry predictions, talk about what I'm seeing, you know rant about x y and z so we'd love to connect (laughs) amazing and we will link all of that in the show notes of course you're such a pleasure i'm like already thinking when we can have you back on the show like how do we get you more involved in the group i'm just so grateful for you to be here today laura so thank you so much i'm so grateful for you and for whim there's been so many amazing connections i've made like seriously seriously love it Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so much. If you uh, are listening to this, definitely reach out. She is absolutely someone to know. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we could ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Home. They say it's where the heart is. They also say it's wherever you make it. They don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. There aren't 
many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.